0: This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash show.
1: This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of May 18th, 2019. Boston Beer and Dogfish Head did what? I need to sit down.
2: In unrelated news, shareholders pressure Craft Brew Alliance to sell. Yingling gets in the
0: hotel game.
2: And JetBlue takes the Pepsi Challenge. All this and more on Have a Drink News.
0: Alright, welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker.
2: I'm Justin Fraser.
1: And I'm Christopher Walker, who's not going to call attention to the fact that it's still cutting short.
0: Because I've had so <laughs> much time to edit it.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Yep. Everything's going perfectly, just like the news over at Boston Beer and Dogfish Head.
1: So yeah, uh, we decided, as you may have noticed, take a, take a couple weeks off. It was because uh, you know it's, we were moving, and and then everything went wrong with that, and then in the middle of that lands the biggest news story in craft beer, pretty much. So. Uh, <laughs> He doesn't be living under a rock to not know already. Boston Beer Company and Dogfish Head agreed to, quote-unquote, merge in $300 million deal. As I can, lay this out, I want can,
2: can I just say, I'm picturing right now uh, Jim Cook and uh, uh, Sam Calgioni just doing the fusion dance from Dragon Ball Z. Like, you... <laughs> <fusion.
1: laughs> ha! Yeah, pretty much. So as we lay this out, I want you to tell me if it sounds like a merger or just a straight-up buyout. Just... Uh, just... Keep it in, keep it in mind. 8 years ago, Dogfish Head and Boston Beer Company teamed up to brew a collaboration beer for the annual Saver Craft Beer and Food Pairing Experience. Today, the two companies announced the signing of a definitive merger agreement valued at about $300 million. The deal is expected to close in the second quarter. As part of the transaction, Dogfish Head co-founders Sam and Maria Calgioni will receive about 406,000 shares of Boston Beer stock valued at 314 uh, 314 dollars and 60 cents per share making them the largest non-institutional shareholders in the company behind boston beer founder jim cook hold on I
2: mean, that is wow that's that's a not insubstantial amount of money yeah meanwhile uh, 127 million <sighs> meanwhile uh, in shares
1: existing dogfish head shareholders will receive 173 million dollars in cash and Sam Calgioni will obtain a seat on Boston Beer's board of directors starting in 2020. The merger comes nearly four years after Dr. Shed sold a 15% stake to LNK Partners, a New York-based private equity firm. As a result of the merger, LNK will exit its investment in the Delaware-based craft brewery.
2: Yeah, I'm betting they got bought out and they're going to get For a non- some part of $173 million. Yeah,
1: a non-insubstantial amount of money. Uh, according to a press release, Boston Beer expects to fund the cash component of the transaction through a combination of cash on hand and its available credit line. So they don't really have the <laughs> funds to do
2: this. Uh, they're going to well, be well. I mean, that's the thing about having you know being a multi-million dollar. Co- Sometimes your your funds aren't liquid. Sometimes <laughs> they're tied up in other stuff, and so you've got to there's some loans. You got some collateral up. It'll it'll get paid. Eventually,
1: uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, the merger but, brings together the Brew Association's second-largest craft beer maker, Boston Beer, with the 13th-largest craft brewery, Dogfish Head. Both companies will retain their status as a Brew Association-defined independent craft brewery.
2: That's, Pause well, for I dramatic mean, at effect. This point, I, at this point, they'll just do whatever they want.
0: I, I feel like they're really stretching it as far as the whole lake. And they're still going to be considered craft. <laughs>
2: Our like it, ru- look, th- we should just make a much easier to and less changeable rule, which is not AB bev or Miller Coors. That's, I mean, that's what my stance has been, but, you know, technically. Uh, not them or owned by them, hmm. and more than someone needs to present.
1: So speaking to BrewBound, uh, Sam Calgioni said the deal came together over pints this past February during Beer Advocates Extreme Beer Fest in Boston. We talked about how challenging the industry is getting, the indie craft definition, uh, brands that consumers think are indie craft, active lifestyle beers, and we discovered how beautifully complementary and not competitive our portfolios were. So, so
2: that's the first thing I thought of when we heard this news. Yes, it's, that it was like they have nothing
1: in common, which makes it oh. perfect. Yes, like they none of them had like they don't have to change anything they're doing. Like they can keep doing all the same beers. And it, like, there's no overlap. There's no competition. They have
0: the passion for beer in common. Sorry. Well, <laughs> okay. Also,
2: well, is there a point when we we get to ask Sam Calgioni how he feels about this? Does it feel so good?
0: Yes,
1: hmm. I, I am sure his bank account feels <laughs> so good, and I'm sure. Well, he that, got
2: most of his in stock. I'm so. sure
1: that boardroom chair next year is going to feel so good on his ass. In a press release, the two companies said the merger would create a powerful American-owned platform for craft beer and beyond. This combination is the right fit, as both Boston Beer and Doc Head have have had. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Have a passion for brewing and innovation. We share the same values, and we learn a lot from each other as we continue to invest in the high-end beer category. That was from Jim via a press release. According to the release, Dogfish Head is on pace to sell 300,000 barrels of beer in 2019 with net sales of about $120 million. Boston Beer Chief Executive Dave Berwick, who previously served as the CEO of Pete's Coffee and Tea Incorporated. I think we talked about them before. Actually, Mm -hmm. yeah, we've talked about him when he came to the company. Uh, Before taking over, CEO of the brewery last February, will lead the merged entity. Meanwhile, George Pastrana will continue to serve as chief operating officer and president of Dogfish Head. So that's the thing. They are Dogfish is still going to be autonomous. Like they're still going to be doing their own thing over there. They're just gonna have Boston Beer backing.
0: I mean, that's doing. the smartest way to do it. You don't wanna I can't imagine Dogfish Head ever going away. Not not if Sam Sam has I, anything to say about it.
2: Right. I will say calling it a merger. Regardless of whether it feels more like a buyout or not, uh, is the right marketing play Hmm. because it still makes it feel like it's part of a big craft organization. Yeah. It just feels like these two craft places are working together rather than here, we'll buy you out, you work for us, keep doing what you're doing, and then we just all rake in profit, which feels more, which feels less craft. It feels less. That 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 small time feel and feels more like corporate business stuff, which it's corporate business stuff. Hmm. But you know, a lot of what I I've been still seeing... enjoy their products. Yeah.
1: So a lot of what I've been seeing online, uh, some people getting out there with some theories. Uh, one theory that I don't know seemed interesting to me was that Jim is looking to retire as the public entity and face of Boston Beer. And who better to step up oh. into that than Sam Calgioni, who is yeah. a another like bigger than life craft guy?
2: That, yeah, that makes sense. That's that, that's not a bad idea for it. And also, I'm just kind of like, yeah, he feels like the right. I don't know. Like, whenever we we have seen Jim from a distance at, <laughs> uh, Jim, like I know him,
1: yeah, our pal oh, Jim. Good we,
2: Jim. We were too hungover to get to meet him. Uh, <laughs> when Jim Cook, we've seen him at Oktoberfests because he's always there to, to have the big celebration down there. When you see him from a distance, uh, <laughs> you still notice, like, he's starting to get a little old. He's so been at we. this a while. <laughs> so are we. Hmm. Look, let's. Let's not contemplate our own mortality. That's That way lies madness. All right, well,
1: Boston Beer uh, noted uh, it will consolidate Dogfish Head's financial results into its earnings late in the second quarter. Uh, the company anticipates the transaction being neutral to slightly <laughs> accurate in 2019 and won't have material impacts on its fully year 2019 earnings per diluted share. Prior to the announcement of the proposed merger, Boston Beer stocks closed at... Three hundred and thirty-two dollars and ninety-four cents, down sixty-nine point sixty-nine percent. Actually, our last news episode we did before this break, we talked about an earnings call for Boston <laughs> Beer. So you go back and timing, yeah, check that in, and then come back and revisit where they're going to be in a few months. Mm.
2: Well, you know we we've said the Brewers a lot, uh, Brewers Association, uh, like is still probably going to have them in there. what's their official stance, Chris?
1: So, yes, uh, the Brewers Association has uh, responded to the, quote-unquote, merger. A day after the announcement of a mega-merger of Boston Beer Company and Dogfish Head Craft Brewery, Brewers Association President and CEO Bob Pease today issued a statement regarding the combination of the second and 13th largest craft breweries. (coughs) In, in the statement, Pease called Boston Beer founder Jim Cook and Dogfish Head co-founder Sam Calgioni, staunch supporters of the independent beer movement. We're in a maturing market and a small and independent brewers. We are embracing ways to remain competitive, Pease said. In the face of an evolving industry, in the spirit of collaboration, this strategic alliance allows Boston Beer and Dogfish Head to remain independent. They will no doubt continue to champion for more than 7,400 small and independent breweries in the U.S. As Brew Brown reported yesterday, Boston Beer acquired Dogfish Head in a deal valued at about $300 million. So, so
2: I like to, I'm just looking at that statement going, I like to just try to parse out and reword the, 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 <laughs> the, the spin they have that. Yeah. We're in a maturing market. I've mature, I've been maturing, and I'm getting a lot slower and fatter. <laughs> uh, it's like, in the face of an evolving industry and a spirit of collaboration, this strategic alliance allows them to remain independent. Just do whatever you want. Just, We don't care. We'll change the definition
1: again. <laughs> it's
2: fine. You win.
1: All right. Uh, Having said that, um, it brings up questions about the definition of independent beer like independent craft, like they need to, they need to sort that out and they need to take, they need to reword that into a way that they're not rewording it every year to keep certain breweries under that label. Like they need to sort that out themselves. Uh, Other than that, I'm pumped about the buyout slash merger, whatever you want to call it. Uh,
2: I have mixed feelings. Um, I'm sure it's probably going to be in the best interest overall. At least I hope. Uh, but i wasn't like even when the news first came out my initial reaction was do, do i have fewer people to love or do i just love one company more what what do i do now
1: i'm just going to love one company more i mean
2: <laughs> i yeah when one person one person eats another person you just have to <sighs> but yeah i don't know like it doesn't quite feel Right, I guess in the spirit of craft, but that's that's a weird th- label my brain is putting on it that may or may not be of the truth. So, no one
1: champions craft more than those two men.
2: Fact, right? And and they've backed that, that's true.
1: They've backed that it with was, they put their money where their mouth is over the years when it comes to that. It feels Again,
2: like if it was someone else, I feel like we would be less positive about it. And that's, possibly, but that's,
1: re- revisit the canarchy episode. I mean,
0: I think it still it's depends. It's, I think it's. You, it's not that if it were someone else it's that the and the theme we keep sticking to it's not quote big beer you know it's it uh, the thing Certainly is a larger beer. well but you know you know what i mean like it's not yeah. um uh ab and bev miller core what you know
2: where do we on, let boston so on and so beer forth? draw the line is all i'm saying
0: yeah This is so funny. It reminds me of the the thing on Cord Killers with the talk about Disney and Fox and that whole, you know, thing. Um, When Boston
2: Beer came for the twisted tea, I said nothing. (laughs) I just, of all the
0: companies to do this, this makes like the most sense to me. Um, That's
1: also the one no one saw coming.
0: No, Mm -hmm. in a million years.
2: Um, It's like that great great well-written twist where it's like all the signs were there. You just had to see it to figure it out. Yeah. And then after you see it, like, and this makes all the sense in the world. Oh, wait.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of making sense.
2: (laughs) Well, someone with 2% of a company is trying to turn (laughs) that into a bit more. Because uh, Craft Brew Alliance uh, investors are trying to get their company sold. Hmm. Uh, Minority activist investor at the Craft Brewer Alliance, by the way, this is from Brewbound, uh, sent a letter to the brewery's board of directors urging the company to consider a sale. How much of the percentage of this company do these people have? Well, David Cohen, the founder of Boston-based private investment fund Midwood Capital Management LLC, which owns about 2%, of the CBA's outstanding shares and currently has about $70 million under management across 20 different small uh, small cap stocks believe CBA must seek a sale to maximize shareholder value. The letter was issued about 3 months before Anheuser-Busch, which owns a uh, 31.3% stake in CBA, uh, must make a qualified offer to buy the company for 200 uh, sorry for $24.50 per share. Or pay a twenty million dollar fee as part of a twenty sixteen commercial agreement. Uh, this is where we've always joked that Anheuser Busch basically has told the you know markets Kona beer as their own beer. Uh, yeah, it's like I mean uh, by the terms of the deal, if they want to, it is theirs. Uh, mm-hmm. Citing uh, last week's thirty million dollar sale of Dogfish Headcraft Brewery to Boston Beer. Uh, as a proxy, Cohen argued that the intrinsic value value of Kona alone, excluding all other CBA brands, should approach the current qualifying threshold of two point uh, twenty four point five cents a sh- uh, uh, 50 cents a share. Uh, so, I like that they call it a sale as opposed to a merger. <laughs> <laughs> well, his reasoning: if Dogfish hold- sold for a thousand dollars per barrel, and Kona is projected to make uh, 505,000 barrels in 2019. The equity value of the Hawaiian-themed brand, factoring in total debt, ranges somewhere between $409 million and $510 million. Look, no offense, buddy, but Kona is not dogfish head. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, though, good. Rate, <laughs> though good. Though good. Look, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't kick Kona out of bed for... I was going to say eating crackers, but it's a bottle of beer, and that metaphor just started falling apart. <laughs> For crackery um, beer? <laughs> it's, uh, the the mid range standalone Kona value, Cohen argued, would represent a 53% premium to CBA's current market price. Over the last year, uh, CBA stock has traded between $13.76 and $20.90. It is currently listed at uh, uh, $15.33. Uh,. CBA lacks the marginal structure the margin structure and scale of its peers to grow sales, profits and cash flow consistently, Cohen wrote. Uh, absent an ability to consistently deliver this fundamental financial performance, the gap between price and intrinsic value will not close in the public market. The shareholder value uh, then will only be maximized through a transaction in which another entity determines CBA's worth. Uh, in other words he wants CBA board members to lean on AB uh, executives and encourage an acquisition if they make an offer the CBA uh CBA's board should absolutely accept it he wrote wow. because he wants money yeah. he wants 2% of whatever they're they're going to sell so he can get out of this particular business wow jeez uh if AB and Bev is uninterested, Cohen believes the company should identify another buyer in order to continue operating successfully in a crowded craft beer environment while providing a return on shareholder investment. From a pure business perspective, I can understand what this man is saying. As someone who enjoys beer, I read this and go, "This man has absolutely no love of what he's doing. He just, he just got this for, for a you know, for a bottom line. Yeah,
1: he likes money.
2: Look." Can't blame him for that. With the combined effects and trends of the craft beer interest rate, uh, CBA's inherent challenges to grow revenue, profitability, and cash flow, we strongly believe that the company must seek a sale to maximize shareholder value, he wrote. Uh, yeah, speaking to Brewbound, Cohen called Kona the crown jewel of cba's portfolio and said the challenges of being an independent publicly traded beer company coupled with recent transaction between boston beer and dogfish head prompted him to pin the pen the note so yeah oh by the way it's worth noting that cba just recorded a net income loss of 7.3 million dollars in the first quarter of the year primarily driven by the previously disclosed 4.7 million million uh, dollar charge that cba elected to uh to record as a result of settling a years-long class settling a years-long class action lawsuit over the alleged false and deceptive advertising of its Kona Brewing brand.
0: Wow.
1: So, which is that none of the bottled stuff wait, none of what you get mainland is brewed there and mm-hmm. On the island, they only do kegs, right? So, I've got that correct.
2: Something like that, yeah. Yeah,
1: none of the bottled stuff that you get there is done there, and then they only do small batch.
2: But, yeah, this this is interesting to see someone who, you know, because the guy comes from an investment company. He's not, yeah, he's (laughs) not like another brewer. He's not some, you know crazy rich reclusive billionaire that's put his money in here and is like oh yes I too love beer
1: we need more crazy rich eccentric billionaires putting their money into beer
2: somebody call Warren Buffett right now I mean I can't get a hold of him what about Jimmy?
1: I'm going to say Elon Musk someone get, someone get Musk on the phone
2: uh, you know look I'm still going with Jimmy Buffett I bet he'd <laughs> he's more likely to give money to a beer company
1: he already started his own
2: yeah, but maybe he wants good beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Uh,
1: speaking of good beer.
0: I was going to say, uh, I was going to make that transition. And I was like, well, okay." I mean, <laughs> it's good look, beer. It has its, good its days. Um, I don't
1: know if I could drink a hotel's worth of it.
0: Okay, so Yingling plans to open a beer-themed hotel in Tampa Bay, Florida. The devil you say. The hotel thing really seems to be uh, popular.
2: Beer hotels—it's really a thing now. They're—they're yeah. they're, they're how you kill your company unless you're brew bound. Not brew bound. Uh, brew dog. Brew dog. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, in recent years, a growing number of American brewers have started offering overnight accommodation at or adjacent to uh, their production facilities. In 2014, Dogfish Head opened the 16-room Dogfish Inn in Milton, Delaware. Last year, BrewDog opened a craft beer hotel. Complete with beer taps in every room, of course, at its Columbus, Ohio brewery. Now, America's oldest brewery looks to, uh, looks set to join the party. Uh, that is poorly worded. According to various sources, including Philly Voice, Yingling plans to build a brew- beer-themed hotel near its Tampa Bay, Florida brewery. The news broke earlier this month via Tampa Bay-based civic group. Uh, I'm just going to call it Urban. That's an acronym. Uh, on May fourth, in a Facebook post, Urban wrote, "Yingling Beer Company is moving forward with large mixed-use development at uh, one one or it's a series of ones, North 30th Street, <laughs> just south of USF, next to its main brewery. The project includes two hundred hotel rooms, a, m- a microbrewery, a beer garden, a tasting room, twelve thousand seven hundred square feet of restaurant space, a Yingling Museum." and 5,900 square feet of conference space.
1: So well, my question is, Which why didn't of? they just put it in Orlando and give us an actual beer theme park? Because
2: uh, because they don't have a brewery already in Orlando. Because Busch Gardens sucks.
0: <laughs> How far is, is Tampa from Bush Orlando? Busch Gardens
2: in Tampa? I think
1: it is.
0: It's in oh. I think it's Orlando, isn't it? Is it in Orlando? I don't know. Well, I don't know. as
1: it is like I, the bush is Anheuser Busch in Busch Gardens. Yeah. So I that, always
0: I, I forget that in until someone says it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, right. It's,
2: it's animals and roller coasters I, and I'm just like I hey. didn't know that until we were started doing the show. Oh yeah, no, no. I didn't I didn't either. I'm just
0: like it'd be more I'm reminded fun, of it every time then. It'd
1: be more fun if they were giving the animals bush beer. <laughs> just like whole cans of bush beer. I would just love to see gorillas like You know,
2: drunk on their asses, and so Tampa is an hour
0: and a half away from Orlando.
2: Yeah, I'm picturing like black bears just cracking open cans. Just
0: picturing. (laughs) Are you picturing grizz just like drinking?
1: Whoa, whoa! They do not drink alcohol. Get a hold of yourself.
0: No, it'd have to be boba, Um, Uh, (laughs) bubble beer. uh, So, in a later statement, um, the brewery CEO Wendy Yingling. It's just got to be the funnest laugh, man. Uh, as consumer interest in locally crafted beer continues to grow, we're always looking uh, for ways to engage our lo- loyal fans and re envision the Yingling experience in Tampa. This new development will not only offer visitors an enhanced brewery hospitality experience, but will also increase our presence in the local community. Well, yeah. Um, they said a zoning hearing is set to take place in September. Uh, given the brewery's track record, if plans are eventually approved, expect boycotts, which mm. I forgot about. Um, so I'm going to go actually click on that. Yeah, because they've, they've definitely had some issues here and there um, as far as, well, they had a, some stuff with, like, political issues because they, they, they backed. The Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there's that. <laughs> So, but I don't think anybody, I mean.
1: They're going to be boycotted because they're building a beer-themed hotel. And it has happened in Colorado when, was in the town, I can't remember which town it was. And one of the big beer towns, it's not, not Denver in Colorado. Um, anyway, they were holding a big beer festival and then apparently a church's mother's group tried to come out and protest the beer festival saying they didn't like this was against the values of the community and all this and that's when people came out and said this is home to one of the oldest breweries in the country being Coors Mm. and they're like no you moved here within the last five years (laughs) these breweries and this beer festival have been here longer than you you just didn't bother to look into the neighborhood before you moved here
0: pretty much I wonder what city that was Literally, the only places I can think of in, in Colorado are Denver, Fort Collins, and Boulder.
2: <laughs> mm, maybe it was Fort Collins?
1: Possibly. I don't, I know, I don't remember. All
2: right. Well.
1: It's just Denver and then New Belgium. That's <laughs> When I see Colorado on a map, I'm just like, oh, it's Denver and yeah, New cause, Belgium.
0: Because there's also, like, I don't know what's in Boulder. So I'm like, I can't be like, oh, that and the, this is here rocks. as well. <laughs>
2: yeah. There are rocks. Big ones boulders, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you know, you could fly out there. You could fly to Tampa and check out this this potential place, or you could fly to figure out which which brewery is you're trying to remember. If you go on JetBlue. But could I get a can of Coke? You can't. You can't. They are getting rid of Coca-Cola. They've switched to Pepsi. Well, you can get them right now. But after June 3rd, no more. Getting this from USA Today, uh, JetBlue has come out to say we're refreshing our core complementary beverage lineup uh, to offer our customers exciting new products, uh, product options that they've asked for. We have also bringing sustainability benefits and controlling uh, growing costs according to uh, an internal JetBlue communication obtained by USA Today. Most notably, this includes the introduction of Pepsi products to our, or, to our offerings beginning June third.
1: Where's that? Put Fresca. Is Fresca a uh, Pepsi product or a Coke product?
2: I don't, I don't know, but you're gonna get all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Yeah, I always forget. Oh, no? Fresca still exists.
1: Um. So okay, I have, always have problems remembering which of the companies associated with Pepsi are actually their own entities and only distributed by Pepsi. Fresca
2: I'm... is owned by Coke. Oh, okay.
1: So you can't. Yeah, get Mountain
2: a Fresca. Dew is is owned by Pepsi.
1: Okay, so that is wholly owned by Pepsi. Because I know Pretty Dr. Sure. Pepper... They- Dr. Dr.
0: Pepper is its own... Dr. Pepper Snapple group is its own entity. Yeah, it's entity. its own
1: entity, but it's distributed by Pepsi. Yes.
0: Um, So this is where I will, like, be... There would be pitchforks, but... You're going to be flying
1: JetBlue, so...
0: Yeah. Because I've never really never heard of this airline. We're going to be flying Amazon
1: um, out of Cincinnati by next year. <laughs> there's going to be if you're flying out of CVG, there's going to be strapping you into Amazon cargo planes. Like that's just going to be how it goes. I don't know if anyone noticed I mean, that if they, if they
2: and put me behind a net, I'm kind of cool with that. I don't know if anyone <laughs> caught
1: on to that, but Jeff Bezos was in town this week for that for oh, the I did not know that. for the groundbreaking. They put they put that man behind heavy equipment. He was operating a dozer for the groundbreaking of the new facility, and it was You've hilarious. Never seen put Jim Cook
2: behind. You never see them put Jim Cook behind heavy equipment.
0: No, they shouldn't.
1: Um, this is, they said to slap the richest man in the
0: world behind
1: heavy equipment and go,
2: tear shit up. I mean, just go.
0: He I can afford to fast. replace it. Uh, the, so I have to say, I like Pepsi products better. Okay. Okay,
1: so I like Pepsi products better. I like
0: Coke more. Okay, then that's the weirdest thing for me. I, so I, I, I've discussed on the show before, I think. I am a huge fan of Mexican Coke. Like, the glass bottle, straight imported from Mexico, natural sugar Coca-Cola. Mexico. Yes. Uh, like, other Coke is, is fine, I guess. But I think I actually prefer Pepsi, if it's not that particular Coke.
1: Well, explain the Coke life in the fridge.
0: Oh, yeah, we do have Coke life. I like Coke life. Um... The one that like literally, you know, 2% of the population has heard of, um, Coke Life for those who are unaware is the one with the green label and it's made with, um, instead of high fructose corn syrup, it's made with cane sugar and stevia sugar. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, it has like slightly fewer calories. I just, I honestly just like it cause of the no high fructose corn syrup. Um, mm. cause we're that pretentious now. So no,
1: I eat my corn syrup. I eat it in many things. I need it to not be in what I drink.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If possible. Cause I'm eating. But yeah. Um, I, you know, I, again, we don't have jet blue necessarily, but I'm okay with this news. I think it's neat.
2: Good. Well, for them. that's not the only changes that they're making. Uh-oh. They're also going to be pouring water from larger bottles to a lower cost and waste to, we'll also serve snack and beverages simultaneously on certain short haul flights. Hmm. Uh, they're basically trying to cut down on some of their excess waste stuff—the plastic. Thing uh, everybody's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they're looking for ways to refresh our onboard experience. Uh, starting, they will offer a new supplement of complimentary beverages, and they will be bringing out more details in the weeks to come. But basically, as far as drinking goes, they're trying to be a little bit more efficient. And I'm betting Coke was charging too much. Probably, I, I bet that's what it was.
0: Also, Seven Up still owned by Pepsi. Oh, okay. I had to look it up. They just hate them.
2: How are they still owned by them if they don't sell them?
1: They do, just very little of it.
2: Yeah, I got nothing.
1: All right. Um, So, uh, for those of us not flying JetBlue, let's move on to more news that won't affect us. (laughs) Uh, So, if anyone's kept up with it, Schlafly has been trading hands quite often in recent years. So, they have sold again. Sage Capital has sold the controlling stake in the St. Louis Brewery back to the family. The Schlafly family once again has controlling interest in the St. Louis Brewery, makers of Schlafly Beer. Uh, More than seven years after acquiring a majority interest in the St. Louis Craft Brewery, private equity firm Sage Capital, as well as several current and former Schlafly Beer employees, including co-founder Dan Koppman, have sold their stakes in the business to a new investor group led by David Schlafly, a real estate developer and cousin of brewery co-founder Tom Schlafly. Uh, Specific financial terms of the deal, which closed May 3rd, were not disclosed. Following the transaction, the new investor group included members of the Schlafly family, as well as individual investors, will control 80% of the company. A group of investors from Sage Capital, including partner Spencer Finney, will retain a 20% stake in the business. Speaking to BrewBound, where we sourced the story, David Schlafly said his first goal was to return ownership of the brewery to the Schlafly family and close friends. Through the virtue of that, the brewery can do what it's always done. It can lead in making great beer, he said. Uh, Quality companies like Schlafly are very rare, and they are things you want to be a part of. In 2012, Tom Schlafly and brewery co-founder Dan Kotman sold a 60% stake in the St. Louis Brewery to Sage Capital. At the time, Schlafly retained 20% of the business, while Kotman maintained a 10% stake. Following the recent transaction, Tom Schlafly now owns 17% of the company and remains chairman of the company's five-member board. Meanwhile, Kotman, who departed the St. Louis Brewery at the end of 2016 and currently serves as the CEO of Baltimore's Heavy Seas Beer, has sold his stake in the business because he's mm. he's moved on to what he appears or what he thinks is greener pastures, right? Or wetter pastures? I don't know. The wetter, happier
2: pastures. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, in an email to Brewbound, Cotman called the deal very good news for Schlafly Beer, their hardworking employees, and the St. Louis community. Okay, very very neutral statements there, and good for them. Good for them. I don't know why you're calling me. <laughs> Kind of, kind of thing
2: yeah but I mean it's good that they good that they' they've you know it's backed in the family I did
1: not realize that though that's that what today I learned uh one of the co-founding members of schlafly member of the schlafly family is also one of the main investors in heavy Seas.
2: Hmm. yeah maybe that's whether their stuff is their 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 marketing labels are so bad. I'm <laughs> trying to keep the competition down.
1: Because Schlafly's labels are also atrocious. A
2: little bit. a little bit. They're better than Heavy Seas. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> well, cleaner,
0: at it, the very least. I like I this say story. What they've
2: done is they've set up someone else to be worse than them, <laughs> label-wise.
1: So I like this story in that we've started to see this rebound, and I think it was Casey predicted that we would start to see some of these tales where you had people who sold off to... Uh, percentages to equity firms and they are now buying it back.
2: Price Tradamus strikes again.
1: Yep. And he will eventually be back. He's dealing are, with... He has, he has three,
2: three children to worry about. Three? He's got uh, Zella. He's got uh, Franklin. Franklin. I always forget the boy's name. <laughs> and he's got a brewery baby. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. I was I was like... Don't tell me he's going to say Ashley's a child
2: cuz I feel like that's going to go badly. <laughs> I can't believe you thought I was going that way. Well, I, don't I know. thought it was pretty obvious that the third thing was going to be the ba- uh, was going to be the brewery. I thought it was, it was be a be surprise sh- to me. Actually. I thought it was going to be the
1: shuffleboard table at the brewery. Ooh. Because can we can we just get behind that that Casey Casey's having a shuffleboard table made for the brewery?
2: I am so excited. <laughs> I mean, it's made for us. Yeah, it it's is. obviously it's be the have a drink memorial. <laughs> we we've got to get a little bronze plaque okay. to put on it.
0: No joke though. Like as soon as oh my god, I've got to think about how to the do have this. a
1: drink memorial shuffleboard table.
0: No, like as soon as we get our stuff more set up in here, we've got I've got to make a, a shirt. shuffleboard table. Yeah, we got room. Well, we got room for it the now. Couch. But no, I've got to make a shirt on our store. It says something about, like, do you even board, though? <laughs>
1: like, just every day I'm shuffling is what it needs to be. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah, I
2: was going to say, just has a picture it not every
1: day I'm shuffling? It has a picture of a shuffleboard table. Yes. <laughs> every day I'm shuffling.
0: Okay. Okay, yeah, that's happening. Speaking that's of happening. that. Speaking of shuffling. Shuffling on along. Yeah. Uh, this speaking is, of drinking in Kentucky. This is sad. So, after Castle and Key renovation, Master Distiller walks Way, let's Did you
1: let, even do let's get one thing straight i don't understand this is proposed to be the hottest she's one of the biggest rising stars in bourbon and like everyone in the industry in the world is waiting with bated breath for the first you know age statement bourbon to fall out of this place because they put out like a gin and some other clear garbage that no one cared about but they were just like yeah we need to have a,
0: a gin and a um They've, oh, they, they they've put out some diet material. Like I
1: said, it's, clear garbage. No one cares about.
0: Because that's what they, they have to do. Because the bourbon's not ready. It's look. the bourbon
1: comes out like this year or next year. Like it is extremely soon. She's not been there that long, and this is something um, we brought it up internally and we're kicking this around. I wish Casey was here to talk about this. Mm. That's he brought it. He was like, no, this is this is what you're going to see. The death of bourbon because it used to be. A master distiller spent their entire career at one distillery. It was they were something the to master
2: see of that yeah. location. It was
1: that something to see them. Like if you saw a master distiller depart from a distillery and go somewhere else, it was big news. Yeah, and she's not even seen her first bourbon come to fruition. She what? Okay, so you and she's already packed up and
0: left. You can at least say that she was. I mean, she was part of this from. The beginning, Yeah, though. she was. like So she right. had a hand. When that when that bourbon does come out, she had a hand in creating that but bourbon.
1: But it means nothing for that distillery moving forward. So their yeah. first product coming out will have There's no, you can't go, oh, well, the next, you know, their next stuff coming out will be able to retain this. Like, we don't know. It's a different master distiller. No one knows exactly what she did here or there or what, you know, like changing it up, tweaking the formula.
2: She just they're, cracked they're this in- out
1: and moved on.
2: There may be some like environmental tweaks that you have to do. Like, oh, this, you know what, guys? This this, temp- this year has been ticking up to be warmer than, than the yeah. previous mm-hmm. year. Maybe we've got to do something a little bit different to, make, to try to maintain that same flavor. You have to keep doing that over and over as the weather continues to tick upwards. Yeah. As, so uh, when it
1: comes to the premium bourbons, that's like uh, a master distiller would be there like their entire career. They would maybe put out three at the most four fully matured bourbons. That would be all that they ever put out because of the aging time. That'd be all that anyone ever get to try from them and they'd be retired and done. And that would be it. And then she just like fired this one out. And before anyone's even tasted it, she's like, "Eh, I'm gone. Like, does that mean, does that mean it's terrible?
0: (laughs) Well, we don't know yet, I guess, but, um, okay. So, so that was just the headline. (laughs) So
1: that's what I had to say about the headline.
0: Yes. So, okay. Marianne Eves. I assume that's how you say her last name. Um, she was a rising star at Brown Foreman before she left to spearhead the revival Was now called Castle and Key Distillery, um, which was the former um, Old Taylor Distillery.
1: You want to know more about that? You can check out our Buffalo Trace yeah, episode.
0: Yeah. Um, so she said she plans to co- to consult and work on on, quote, strategic partnerships while also pursuing further opportunities to showcase the industry in documentary film and television projects. She will also be pursuing book, speaking, digital, and culinary projects. Yeah, you know what I don't see anywhere in there? Just Making going. bourbon. <laughs> which is... Which also baffles me because she was... She's also the one who has, like, what, a chemical engineering degree or something like that? Yeah. Something so- along those lines and I'm just like... What?
1: This is another thing Casey brought up and this is actually like relevant thing there and it's not just like millennials ruining the world. It's that millennials are not settling down into one career anymore. It's like over it's expected most millennials will hold four to five different careers throughout their professional life. But like
0: and that's fine, but wait until the first bourbon comes out at the very least. (laughs) You know, like I don't understand.
1: Not satisfied with the job apparently and wants to get out of it. I don't know if it ended up being, you know, being a master distiller was too much too much pressure to like she just didn't like the job it was too many hours it was But
0: here's the thing so she she talks about the strategic partnerships blah 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 and also documentary film television et cetera et cetera et cetera so she's moving into
1: media and book tours she
0: got excited when so she was in and and we've recommended this before what was the um neat oh, neat the documentary neat very good documentary, very well done. You want to cry, um,
1: you want grown men to cry over yeah. whiskey. You watch neat. Um
0: and she was in that and she did very well. She was talking she was talking up not only the distillery but bourbon in general. Um I feel like yeah.
2: Just sorry that just that sentence that we're talking about here does make me feel like she's just caught in like a bug. That's what
0: like, that's yeah, that's where I was going I was like she is she's like, "Oh, I can the thing is, like, she's talking about all this stuff, and it's like, well, are you doing this to continue to talk about bourbon specifically? Or, like, what what's going on here? Because she also mentions culinary projects. Okay, well, what does that mean, really? Like, are you going to have your own Food Network show because everybody else does? Like, I don't understand her thought process here. Like, wait until you have a name for yourself. Like, you're just famous because you're the, one of the first, if not the first, master distiller women so, but then you just ruined it because you left.
1: Yeah, she just packed up and headed out before she actually like, made a
0: name for herself. Yeah, like I don't understand it at all. Like it just actually bothers me. <laughs> the only
1: thing, the only thing her name will stand for in bourbon is going to be whatever this first the first bourbon, bourbon, yeah. But it's the first bourbon from this distillery. So there, it's just a total crapshoot on whether or not this is going to be good or bad. I don't know. I'm I was really excited about this. Now I'm really nervous about. The first Castle and Key product. And it
0: could be really good. Like, I kind of still want to go just because of the historical aspect. Oh, like, yeah. I want to go everything see Everything that they've done for that place.
1: But... If you think you're getting uh, a hold of one of those bottles for the first, like, oh, any of these bottles, they're gone. Forget that's it. That's the other thing. You like, will not lay hands on one of these bottles.
0: If people were excited about it before, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to get those. And then it's going to be a whole to-do. I don't know. It just... Mm-hmm. Mm, bothers me. <laughs> you know...
2: I I feel I should just make the, the the devil's advocate case here, though, of like she's a grown woman woman and she can do what she wants. She can, she's gotta and make, she's she got to make the decision that's that's best that she feels is best for her. But no, and and she's smart. Like you
0: know, obviously she has the degree and the experience behind her to help. But I'm just like I I don't know. I still can't. I just I'm just baffled by this. Like at least like if you're gonna leave, whatever. Like if you're gonna leave, especially sooner than most master distillers would. At least wait and like the first year or two after the bourbon comes it, out. Like I can't. My get only past thing that. is
2: it does it. It says it does feel like it's 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 a indictment on the first Castle & Key product. Like she wasn't happy with it,
1: and she doesn't mm. want to be associated with it. But that's just no. That those. But bottles, she will
2: be now. There's no way
0: around that. Yeah,
1: they're the first release. Whatever batch numbers, like however many batches go into this first release from them. Like those are just going to be tied to her, and if there's a batch that's great, then that'll be awesome. But if they're all trash, then
0: that's the thing. Like she's not getting away from it because she's kind of famous whoever's, right now for being cur- there.
2: Whoever is currently in charge of, uh, who is current master distiller, when the first product fails, the person they're going to blame, regardless of whether they made it or not. Mm, yeah, I don't know. The, you you, you blame the person that's currently at the wheel, regardless of whether it's accurate. Or it has accurate. happened
1: in bourbon before.
2: Yeah. It happens in everything. Yeah. So that's... Mm.
1: Alright, well, uh, we we could rant and rave about this for a while, but I think we're just going to have to tie a neat bow on that and you can shoot us an email and let us know what you think about
2: that. I
1: don't know. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's good to be back. I've had thoughts about, about drinks and it's... haven't been able to share them.
1: Yeah, the, 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 I felt the same way and that's probably why we've rambled on for like an hour.
2: Mm. Alright, well...
1: Wrap a bow on this, slap it on the bottom, and send it on its way.
0: Indeed. Well, we do want to remind you that this is our news-only show. We do the weekly long-form show, which well, again was on a hiatus, but we will—we are back. Um, we discuss the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want support to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com/slash Have a Drink Show, and uh, we will see you again next week. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser,
1: and I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
0: you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>